I am absolutely excited for this kingdom podcast. Yes, Ministries International has the privilege and the honor of hosting one of the greatest men of God I know. When it comes to the area of kingdom, government, business, he is walking in his destiny. So I am honored today to be sitting here with Brother Dub Alexander. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's an honor to be here with you. And uh, hello to all of your listeners. (laughs) Well, we are going to dig into something. You and I, we've had a couple conversations in the past about the fact that both of us were highly impacted by a man of God named Miles Monroe. Yes. And he was really a father in the area of destiny and purpose, understanding kingdom. He was one of the first people I ever heard really break down kingdom, kingdom living, kingdom understanding, and make it not only understandable, but attainable. And I know he had a big impact in your life as well. He did. Absolutely. You know, I feel like um, Dr. Miles brought the practicality of the kingdom. He revealed uh, what the original intent of the kingdom was of God creating us. And his book, Rediscovering the Kingdom, uh, that I got my hands on eight years ago was really a turning point in my life. It Mm. answered the question that I had been looking for, which was, what is the kingdom? Yes. You know, I kind of came from, uh, you know, that stream where you are taught and then you end up teaching subconsciously that the church is the kingdom. Right, right. And that people find their identity, their purpose, and their destiny in serving the church. And so, you know, I I was unfulfilled on some levels. I was certainly, you know, uh, doing my best to lead some people, but they were unfulfilled. Uh, You know, I tell the story, this is, uh, the Lord has redeemed it since. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, help us, Uh, yes. But (laughs) I remember many years ago, this was probably 14 or so years ago, uh, the mayor of our town was in this church that I was the, the worship pastor in. And uh, he came and he was like, hey, you know, I really want to up my game and, and just serve the Lord on another level and, uh, you know, advance the kingdom. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, that's awesome. You know, we've got a spot, you know, handing out the bulletins when people walk in on Sunday morning, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's so uh, it's so embarrassing to look back on now, you know, but... Uh, that was just revealing the mindset that I had yeah. was that, you know, it's all about the church and everybody's ultimate destiny and yeah. purpose is in serving the church. And uh, now that I know what I know now, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I had the most influential man in the city yes, looking sir. for wisdom on how to step further into his purpose and destiny. And I gave him bulletins to hand out uh, <laughs> at the front of the church, you know. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So uh, I love the kingdom and and the new understanding that, you know, man, God has created people to impact all the spheres of society, of culture, the mountains, some of our stream would call them. And uh, so now that I have that revelation and the ability to equip people effectively to bring the impact, bring the answer, bring the solution that they are on this earth uh, into culture so that we can see the whole world benefit from the gift that the church is, mm. uh, rather than trying to make people gifts to the church. Yes. Uh, that was a huge, uh, a huge kingdom revelation and understanding shift and promotion upgrade for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think about the fact that when you look at scripture, um, here's Paul, and he is the greatest revelator of the New Testament. He's the greatest writer of biblical historical data and revelation that goes out eon to eon from generation to generation we're still reading the writings of paul paul is still in heaven going i'm praying for you 
Yes. Because every time we read the first few verses of every epistle, it's Paul's prayer for the church. Right. So it's his prayer still living. That's a great honor God gave him. Now, Paul, every time he went to a city, he was being kicked out of city after city, half beaten to death until he meets Aquila and Priscilla. Mm. When he meets business people who have authority in the city, that's the last time he was thrown out of a territory he was sent to inhabit. Wow, come on. So the marriage of ministry with business in proper authority, mm. and they were later classified as apostles. So apostles in business with yes. apostles in church yes. had the ruling authority to never be kicked out of a territory again. Oh my goodness. It's good. funny. <laughs> yes, sir. So in the business ap apostleship, they had the authority to influence their arena, yeah. but they could not blow churches up. Mm. But Paul is blowing up churches and initiating revival, but he didn't have the authority to keep people from throwing him out of territories. Wow. When the two marry together, Paul is never again kicked out of another city. And Aquila and Priscilla after that, they find Apollos and say, let me lay hands on you. We're going to give you some Holy Ghost. <laughs> so they share in the glory that each other carried when they married their gifts into the same Come mission. On. So good. I think it's a big part of what Dr. Miles carried. Yeah. was an understanding of marrying the mission of others so that the anointing, the oil, the reach each one carried now multiplies. Yeah, You know, a team of horses, the strength is multiplied. Two horses actually carry the load of three. Yeah. And so what I want to do today while we have you here <laughs> is I want to, one of the greatest books Dr. Monroe ever wrote was called The Spirit of Leadership. It's one of the last ones he wrote. Knowing that you were going to be here, my favorite chapter in this whole book is chapter four, in the spirit of leadership. And so there are four statements I want to throw out there. And I just want you to talk about how you see it, what you think about it, and to run with it. Let's so do it. The first one is, I love this, is every leader, every leader has to choose to manifest their leadership nature. If they do not recognize and manifest leadership nature, which is more an attitude than just learning, then they'll never move others to follow them. How do you manifest leadership nature? How do you get others to buy in to what you're carrying? Well, I think that it has to begin with buying into yourself. Hmm. And the healthy way to buy into yourself is to begin to be intentional to frame the way that you reference yourself, the way that you view yourself around what it is that the Lord has to say about you mm. and just simply coming into agreement with him. You know, there's a, a lot of, uh, a lot of confusion around, you know, I'm just a, an old dirty sinner saved by grace. And, uh, you know, you're not, you were yes. an old dirty sinner and you were saved by grace and you might have been a, a dirty sinner saved by grace for about a second. <laughs> but after that, the Lord calls you a saint. Come on. He calls you a citizen. He calls you a son. He calls you a daughter. He calls you a friend. And so just establishing all of your identity around what the Lord has to say about you and then taking it back to, okay, what was my original identity mm. and what was the original identity of mankind? Well, mm. it was to have dominion over the earth and you can't take dominion over something without leading. You right. have to be before and over something in order to have dominion over mm. it effectively. And so agreeing with that, knowing, you know, I'm not called to rule over anyone. 
but I'm called to rule over territory, over atmospheres, and over things. Yes. I come from a royal lineage, and I am royalty now, and I'm going to be royalty in the end, mm. you know? And so just agreeing with all those things that the Lord um, has to say about you, you have to effectively lead yourself first, mm. take dominion over yourself first, mm. uh, and have, you know, the, the understanding of your identity on that level and steward that internally before it will begin to manifest mm. externally. Yeah. And so you'll see it sometimes where uh, someone's personality or charisma will get them a gathering or gain them a gathering before in their internal world is established. Right. And that always ends badly. Yes, sir. <laughs> but I've never seen someone who has been intentional to discover what it is that the Lord has to say about them, mm. agree with it, and begin to live from that place internally that that is not attractive to other people that are Absolutely. around them. You know, people are drawn to congruence. And mm. so if you establish congruence within yourself, uh, people are going to be drawn to that because they want what it is that you have. Yeah. And so I really feel like it comes down to lead yourself first mm. uh, and then you'll be able to lead others well. That's good. A friend of mine used to have the saying, he called it the gravity of greatness. <laughs> nice. He said, like every planet has a gravitational pull. Yeah. If you develop the greatness that you carry internally, eventually it'll pull people to you who are supposed to be in your orbit. Come on. And soon you cause each other's lives to shift and go into the place where God has called you to be. And so I love that. So good. As we're talking about leadership nature, the next thing I want to throw out, which I absolutely love this, this one took me a while because I kept getting stuck on it. Um, I love one of the phrases as we've been hanging out a little bit. Uh, your daughter said something about, oh, he shook to the core. This is one of the <laughs> ones that shake me to the core. <laughs> Dr. Monroe says, you cannot rise above the plane of your mental conditioning. To change your life, you must change your mind. We are what we think. We become what we continue to think. <laughs> so what are you thinking? What do we say about that? Oh, my goodness. I love that so much. Um, you know, just the fact that Jesus charged us with renewing our mind. Mm. And uh, that means to bring your mind back to new. Come on. And so, you know, most people are endeavoring to uh, to just get to a redeemed mind. Yes. That, okay, I fell. You know, I, I was outside of his nature, et cetera, but I've been redeemed back and now he's good with me. Mm. Uh, that's a redeemed mind and that's a good step. You yeah. should probably walk through that on your way to a renewed mind. <laughs> <laughs> Don't camp out. Don't camp out there because it's so much better. The gift of Jesus on the cross did so much more than just redeem you, mm. but it repositioned you as the original you. It yeah. renewed you. And so you have the right to pursue, to procure, and then to live from a renewed mind, mm. an awareness of of who it is that you were in him before he spoke you into existence. Right. Who it is that you were in him before you hit this dimension, this realm, this planet, mm. this atmosphere. And to begin to say, okay, how is it that God really looks at me? Well, he looks at me uh, not as the fallen one that he saved, yeah. but as a son that had never fallen at all. Right, right. <laughs> That's good. And so just understanding that, I just want to give your listeners permission. Like, come on, that's how he 
sees you. That's how he views you. That's how he chooses to interact with you because the finished version of you that you are becoming is his favorite version of you, first of all. Yes. And secondarily, it's actually the original version that you were of in him before he spoke you into existence. Yes. So if he chooses to interact with you from that place, a great step for you is for you to choose to begin to interact with yourself from that mm. place. And so stop and think. What would I be thinking differently? How would I be speaking to myself if I had never fallen at all? Yes. If I had never even had a fallen nature. Because mm. the power of Jesus' restoration is that you are the original you. Isn't it amazing that I honestly believe this? In, in kingdom understanding, kingdom life, if you look at scripture, God is absolutely convinced that what he says is true. Come on. <laughs> God doesn't think he's a liar. He's convinced his word stands forever. He said his word above his name. So God is convinced what he speaks is true. Yes. The devil is convinced that what God says is true. Uh -huh. he, when he hears God, he knows what God said is true. <laughs> he obeys the word of God. He's hemmed in by its laws. So he's hoping we don't know what the word says because yeah. wherever the word is honored, it has to be covenant example. So you see it on display. So the Lord said to me one day, I believe every prophetic word about you. Wow, come on. The devil believes every prophetic word about you because he knows I can't lie. He says, so the problem is getting you to believe every prophetic word about you. <laughs> the biggest problem we have is convincing born again believers that they are actually born again oh my goodness. believers. Yes. That they are not ransomed, weak, broken people still stuck in the bottom of a slave ship who have seen the light of David aren't yet out of chains. Come on. We're walking around. My dad used to say, this to me. He said, I've never seen so many people wearing handcuffs who treat them like bracelets. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and so we walk around as happy slaves because at least we're not as bad as we used to be. Right. But we're not slaves. We're sons. That's it. And if you're a son, be a son, act like a son. My dad said to me once, and I'll say this and then I want to throw something else out to you, but man, I want you to just run whatever comes I'm to you. I'm enjoying it. Come on, man. <laughs> my, my dad, treated me one day like I had a, had a brain issue and I couldn't figure <laughs> out what was going on. I asked my dad if I could use the car. And he said, of course you can. And so the next day when it was time, I came back to him and I said, hey dad, um, I'm leaving in a few hours, can I use the car? And he was sitting at his desk doing some paperwork and he just looked up, he didn't say a word. He looked back down, kept doing paperwork. And I thought, this man act like he don't hear me. So I came back about an hour later, I said, dad, I'm leaving soon, can I use the car? He looked up at me. He just shook his head like, what is wrong with you? He went back to what he was doing. Now, in my mind, dad's changed his mind. Twice I've asked him and he said no. I walked back in and said, dad, I'm leaving in five minutes. Can I use the car? He looked at me and said, what is wrong with you? I said, excuse me? He said, I told you two days ago when you first asked me yes. He wow. said, every question since then is an insult to me. Oh my goodness, come on. He said, you're telling me you don't trust my word, that you think I've changed my mind. If I changed my mind, wouldn't I come tell you? Wow. He said, so to ask me again is to insult what you heard the first time. <laughs> that to me is what happens in the kingdom. We have this revelation from Jesus. He tells us who we are. He says we're free. He says we're victorious. We're overcomers. We have power. And then we pray these prayers like he never said anything. Wow. We are insulting his word to yeah. keep living in unbelief. Man, that's so true.
Mm. Oh, <laughs> that's your fault. You got me thinking. <laughs> All right. I, next thought. Now, here's what gets me. When your philosophy, beliefs, thoughts, and convictions are based on the way you were created to think, you will naturally rule your environment. Yes. When you are based, when your life is based on erroneous thinking and bad attitudes, you will feel frustrated and trapped by your circumstances. This, unfortunately, is the case for many of us. How do we shift people from stinking thinking <laughs> to overcoming thinking? Yeah. How do we get them there, Doug? So good. I think that uh, aligning again with that identity, that kingdom identity and understanding the ways of the kingdom mm -hmm. and the kingdom never retreats. The kingdom is never uh, held in bondage by Come anything. On. The kingdom never answers to anything. Yeah. The kingdom is and it is advancing. Mm -hmm. And so when you choose, it's really about shifting your awareness. Mm -hmm. There's I love a, a quote that one of my spiritual fathers says. He says, it takes truth to get doubt out of bed. And so, oh, oh, yes. Okay, I'm not going to start, but oh, my God. It takes truth to get doubt out of bed. So that means whenever a true reality is present, that the enemy will present a false alternate reality and your agreement will manifest in your awareness. Wow. Whatever you agree with is what you will be most aware of. So are you going to be aware of a false illusionary, um, a, an illusionary idea that has presented itself in response to truth being present? Mm. Or are you going to steward your awareness and align it with and agree with the truth that God has said? Mm. And the truth is, is that the kingdom came with Jesus. Yes. It hit the earth and it has stayed, it has remained, and we are the ones that are to steward it as it moves forward. Mm. It's going to move forward with or without you. <laughs> and so you might <laughs> yeah. as well be on that train. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to start thinking. You know, you, you, I love that, the stinking thinking, right? You will never break out of stinking thinking until you begin to think about what you were thinking about. Mm. Most people are unaware of their thought processes. Come on. They're unaware of what they're thinking about. And so we're missing out on the key that Paul gave us to take every capped thought, thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. The only way to do that is to realize, okay, um, you know, this water bottle here, it, I don't have to take it captive because it has no power. Right. It's not moving. It's not going anywhere. It's just sitting there. So if I'm called to take my thoughts captive, I have to realize three things. First of all, a thought is a thing. Yes. Second of all, it has power. Yes. And thirdly, it's moving. Come on. And so now that I understand that, I have to stop and think about what I'm thinking about. What thoughts are in my mind currently in this moment and which thoughts are aligning with the truth of the reality that the kingdom is here, it's advancing and I'm a part of it and mm. I actually have authority in it, which is a whole nother level. Or is my awareness, my thought patterns, is it aligning with the lie that I'm a victim of my circumstances, mm. my environment, the atmosphere that's around me? Um, and you have to begin to sort out your thoughts. And so this is just a really practical way of doing this. What I would do is uh, I would set an alarm on my phone. I did this mm -hmm. for three days. Mm. I set an alarm on my phone to go off every 15 minutes. Mm. And every time I would feel that vibrate in my pocket, I would stop and I would say, okay, uh, Father, what do you say about me? 
Okay, what do I say about myself? Mm. Is there any lie present? Mm. Am I picking up on anything that anybody around me is thinking that I shouldn't? It's good. And what am I feeling in the atmosphere or the territory? Mm-hmm. I call it the five voices. Yeah. And so at first it took me about 10 minutes to process through that. So it was like every five minutes I was having it. <laughs> but, you know, by the end of that three days, I would feel my phone vibrate in my pocket and boom, I could run through those five mm-hmm. uh, just super quickly. And that just allowed me to take my mind captive at a whole nother level. So I was fully aware of what thoughts were present, uh, which thoughts were mine. Mm-hmm. Am I, are my thoughts aligning with my father's thoughts mm. about me? Are any thoughts present that the enemy has handed me? And mm. if so, I tossed them and yeah. I didn't repent for those. Right. Uh, the enemy loves to hand you a thought and then shame and guilt you about the thought that Absolutely. he handed you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I only repent for thoughts that are out of alignment that originated with me. Right. If they did not originate with me, I don't take ownership for them. Absolutely. <laughs> and so that just was a really practical process to begin to govern my mind, shift my awareness into the truth of the reality of the kingdom, its attributes and my authority in mm. it. And uh, so, yeah, I'd encourage encourage your listeners, start thinking about what you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. And you'll be shocked at the peace of mind that you can procure if you'll simply pursue that with the protocols of the kingdom. That's excellent. <laughs> it, it's amazing how often none of us self-govern. Yes. You know, you have to self-govern before God will let you govern other selves. <laughs> and so if you don't ever to have that internal dialogue, yep. what am I thinking? Where did these thoughts come from? So now we're going all the way back to Genesis. Come on. Who told you you were naked? Yes. When did you enter into an illegal conversation come on. with an unimportant person Bro. to disengage you from your destiny? <laughs> when did you listen to a lie that made you question the truth that set you up to reign? Yes. So it goes exactly what you're saying. That's why I jumped at that, at that very thought. <laughs> a lie doesn't get up. Until truth gets out of bed. Yes. And that's the whole thing that we have to go back to. This thing that I'm believing is not true. But the only reason I'm hearing something that's not true is because there is a greater truth that is present in me. Yes. So before I swallow this lie, let me regurgitate the truth. Come on. (laughs) And that's what to meditate is. It is to regurgitate. Yeah. It is to pull up again. So if you would simply pull up regularly the truth you already know and chew on it, there wouldn't be room in your mouth to chew on a lie. Wow, come on. <laughs> you have to choose what you're going to swallow. Yes. I can't swallow a lie if I'm chewing chew, yes. if I'm chewing truth. And so my dad used to always say, he said, if there's enough truth on your tongue, a lie can't fit in your mouth. No, that's fire. <laughs> <laughs> so that is our responsibility. And I love what you said. Years ago, I was going through a horrible battle. I was overseas and I was in Africa and we were doing some ministry in villages and it was a lot of spiritual warfare that was going on in, in that region in the sense of there was a lot of witchcraft and stuff. But Jesus was manifesting miracles continually. People were getting saved. So it was beautiful. The glory of God was flowing. I go to bed one night and I have this horrible dream, horrible dream. And I wake up and I'm repenting, you know, because back then, this is like, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't know all that we know now. I'm walking yeah. into the deeper levels of it. I had this horrible dream and I'm like, Lord, I don't know where those thoughts came from. I just repent for that. And the Lord said to me, why are you repenting? It wasn't you. Come on. I said, but Lord, that was a horrible dream. The Lord said, was that on your mind before you went to bed? No. Would you do that in your right mind? No. He said, then have, this is what he said, have enough sense to realize the enemy 
tried to whisper something in your ear. Yes. To make you not feel guilty to waste time. Ah. So that for all of the time I'm losing thinking about, I can't believe I thought that. Where'd that thought come from? Oh my God, did I backslide? Have I messed up? The Lord said, all that time you lost when all you had to say was, this ain't my thought. Get up out of this room. I reject you now. <laughs> come on. And I yes. went, oh my Lord. He said, time, we would be talking together. You've lost talking to the enemy about wow. you. When I'm trying to talk to you about you. Come on, man. I love that. One of my favorite uh, phrases uh, that I, from another spiritual father is this. He says that the enemy is not the opposite of God. He carries a message that is the opposite of God, but he mm. is not the opposite of God. If the enemy was fully restored, he would be, he is the opposite of Michael and Gabriel. That's right. And he says this, he says, the enemy is simply an unemployed cherub seeking employment by your thoughts. Oh, oh, we're done. We're done. Close up shop. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Fantastic. Man, so good. An unemployed cherub. Seeking employment by, by your, your thoughts. thoughts. That is brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. Man, so good. Wow. Another sucker without a job. That's all the <laughs> devil is. <laughs> I love it. I want to throw this, this out here. I love how Dr. Monroe says, recall the first thing the creator gave his creation was not dominion, but his nature. Mm. So here's the statement. Our self-concept and self-image are the first reality that must be established in our minds and hearts before we can effectively fulfill our purpose and become the leaders we were destined to be. That goes along with what you were just saying. How do we take a hold of getting out of battles that aren't really ours, managing these minds that God has given us so that we can plant kingdom thoughts and produce kingdom harvest to bring kingdom into the earth? For those that are listening, for those that are hearing your voice, what is the word you would speak to them as one last parting recommendation or revelation about how to bring themselves into this kingdom life? Come on. So I love it when things are practical. So I'll just share another story about my process in this. As I began to apprehend the truth of righteousness consciousness, which is really, you should be more aware of the righteousness of Christ that dwells within you, that is a part of you mm. at any given moment than any sin that may or may not be present. Yes. And so uh, before I was, I had fully caught this revelation and I was just starting to kind of figure it out a little bit. I had had a bad day the day before. And, and so I'm walking around in guilt and shame, you know, cause I don't really understand grace at this point And uh, you know, all of these things and Holy Spirit stops me and he says, Hey Dub, how much time did you spend sinning yesterday? Mm. Which, first of all, I thought was a really weird question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then as I thought about it, I was like, well, he chooses to remember our sins no more. So oh. it's actually a very valid question. Because yes. he's actually unaware of how much time I spent sitting yesterday. Completely. Completely. Because he chose to forget. And so I stopped and I'm, I added up. Well, you know, I flipped this guy off, you know, and I cussed here or whatever it was. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, Lord, like 11 minutes. And he said, so why do you allow Amateur. me? Amateur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Speak 
goes Dub. Why do you allow the 11 minutes that you didn't act like me to wow. define you, rather than the 23 hours and and uh, 49 minutes that you spent Come walking on. just like me on the earth? Yes. And just that simple reframing is what took me from focusing on don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't mm. sin, which causes you to sin. Yes. <laughs> Into oh, First John four seventeen really is true. I am just like Jesus here yes. on this earth. And so that just really freed me up as well. And then the last little phrase I'll give you is, is simply this, that you have to understand that your, your nature determines what is natural to you. Yeah. And so man with a fallen nature, before I was born again into the kingdom, I had a sin nature, meaning it is natural for me to sin, mm. unnatural for me to act like God. Right. And so if I unnaturally extended myself for a moment to act like him, mm. as soon as I stopped intentionally engaging in whatever that may look like, I was drawn right back into sin mm -hmm. naturally. That's what we were taught. Yes. That was the, yes. Yes. And so when I understand now, now I have a righteousness nature. Yes. It's actually natural for me to act like God. If I extend myself in an unnatural way to engage in sin, the scandal of grace is as soon as I stop intentionally engaging sin, I'm back in righteousness. Back in righteousness, <laughs> fully, naturally in righteousness, fully, yes. naturally acting like my father. And so just those simple pictures, those simple uh, protocols to engage in your life, those are the things that really brought me mm -hmm. Freedom brought me into the revelation of the kingdom, allowed me to shift from defense mode into offense mode. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. And that's available for everybody. Those are universal kingdom truths that yes, are available to you. Years ago, um, I had a um, probably for a short season where I was really struggling. And I was struggling with it. It was a lust issue, and it wasn't wasn't about women. It wasn't about money. It was about there was things I wanted, and I was lusting after it because I'd gone through a hard season where, and I didn't realize that's what it was until the Lord said to me, "Why are you lusting after all these things?" And I went, "Oh, that's what I'm doing." And what I thought it was, I thought I was dreaming about my own future, oh, but wow. I had gone from dreaming to that's all I could think about. It's what the scripture means when it talks about covetous. It is to overly be aware and desire what is not yours and be jealous of them to make it yours. And so I was so focused on wanting other people's lives because I was unhappy with my own that I wasn't in a place of peace at all. And it had gone on so long that I was wrestling with it that I remember when I came to myself, I said to the Lord, Lord, how am I going to get past this? I'll never forget this. And the Lord said to me, I saw this vision and I saw on the table, it looked like just dead cut up meat. And over here, it was dead cut up fruit, both were dead. And the meat was laying on the table, all cut up. This is what the Lord said to me. He said, I can't help you with that. I said, huh? He said, I can help you with that. I said, what do you mean? He said, I can't help you with that. All the dead cut up flesh that was on the table, that was the sin. And all the sins is all I could see. And I kept going, but this is what I'm struggling with. He said, no. He said, I can't help you with that. I already removed that from yes. your life on, on the cross. Bro. Yes. It's only sitting on the table because every time you look at the table, you think it's on your table. Wow. Come on. He said, this I can help you with. Yes. And all that dead fruit, he said, the nature of who I am in you 
It is fully present. You just need, and he breathed on the dead fruit and mm -hmm. it sprung fully to life. He said, just awaken my nature in you. Stop weeping every day. And I said, what's the problem? He said, the problem is not the sin. The problem is the doubt. Oh, wow. Come on. He said, your struggle is not sin. Your struggle is doubt. Mm. He said, believers come into the kingdom and they still believe because of religion that their struggle is sin. He said, but the struggle is not sin. Christ died once for all. Yes. So he took my sin, all the sin that was on me, all the sin that would be. Now we have to recognize he died for the sin I would commit, mm -hmm. just like the sin I have committed. Absolutely. Come on. So he died for the sin nature of man. If he didn't die for the sins I was going to commit, then all the people who were not yet born when he was at Calvary are left out of the covenant. Come on, that's true. If it doesn't reach to the future, then it doesn't work on my past. Yes. So the same grace that reaches from 2,000 years ago to 500 years ago, from 500 years ago to 100 years ago, from 100 years ago to this year, the same grace that we are telling our children will be with them for 40 years from now, the same grace that will touch our great-great-grandchildren should we see them all born and we are be old, old people telling them the love of Jesus is covering you. <laughs> if that grace can reach into their future, that means it's not my sin that's the problem. Yes. It's my doubt. Wow. I do not believe that his grace is big enough to remove the thing I've been used to all these years. Come on. So I've got to shift my thinking and accept my sin was never the problem. My yeah. doubt is. Wow. So good, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, my God. We got to do some more of these, Doug. Yes, I'm in, man. Let's do it. <laughs> I want, can you please tell people? how to get a hold of you and anything you've got coming up. We want to make sure people know what's going on. Yeah, awesome. So uh, you can follow me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Dub Alexander, D-U-B-B Alexander. It's easy to find. And then my website is schoolofkingdomprofits.com. And uh, really what I'm looking to do and what I have been doing is raising up uh, Daniels, Esthers, Josephs, uh, people with kingdom revelation and per, and um, elevated prophetic skill, you know, so that they can walk beside the kings of the earth and influence them. And then in addition to that, raising up Solomon's people that are called to actually sit in those thrones of authority in all realms of culture, because that's what we're going to see uh, change the world is going to see kingdom people right. getting in positions of influence, positions of authority to rule rightly for the good of the people. Yes. And so that's what we're looking to do, man. We're just looking to change the world. That's it. So. Why not? Why not? <laughs> we might as well, right? Somebody's got to do it. There is also, I think, Kingdom Reformers is coming up. Kingdomreformers.com. Absolutely. So myself and my good friends, Brian Orm, Drew Neal, Matt Gonzalez, uh, we have formed the Reformers Alliance, and we are looking to make reformational culture available to people in, in much the same way that revival culture has been made available to people. Uh, you know, I love revival culture. I'm a product of revival in my own life. It actually takes a revived heart as one of the prerequisites to being a kingdom reformer. Mm. However, uh, revival must mature into the fullness of reformation. Yes in order to see uh, not just the lives of individuals changed, but the way that systems in the world work. And so revival makes you ready for the world. Come on. Reformation changes the world for you. <laughs> we are going to bring the kingdom of God into every nation, to every tribe, to every tongue. Yes. For the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. 
Dub Alexander, it's an honor to be with you. To each one of you, we bless you, we love you, and we'll be back with you for another episode soon.